0: Welcome to this week's bonus interview on the Prayers of Rest podcast. I'm Kendra Stanton, your co-host. And this week, Asherita is joined by her friend, Nicole Zazowski, to talk about praying for those struggling with infertility. Nicole Zazowski is a licensed marriage and family therapist and the author of From Lost to Found and What If It's Wonderful, an invitation to release your fears, choose joy, and find the courage to celebrate. As an old soul who wears her heart proudly on her sleeve, she enjoys writing and speaking on topics that merge her professional knowledge, faith, and personal experience. Nicole lives in Connecticut with her husband and three young children. In this week's interview, Nicole shares about her journey with infertility and multiple miscarriages. Listen in to hear how she learned to celebrate the goodness of God in her life and choose joy even in the midst of great suffering let's jump right in.
1: Well, Nicole, thank you so much for joining me here today on the Pros of Rest podcast. Um, You have struggled with our week's theme right now of of infertility and miscarriage in your own life. Um, Can you tell us your story and and just a little bit about that?
2: Sure. Uh, I got married at a fairly young age, um, and my husband and I had planned to start a family um, eventually, but but weren't in any rush to do that. Um, and we were both at different points in our career and uh, wanting to feel more settled there. And my mom had never had any issues with fertility, and uh, so and because I was young and healthy, I just didn't think that that would be a painful part of my story um, when. I stood at the altar and said, for better or for worse, I didn't think that that would be my brand of for better or for worse. Um, and so when I did get pregnant fairly quickly, um, it was surprising and obviously really painful when that first pregnancy ended in miscarriage and I waited the amount of time I was supposed to, to try again and, and surprisingly got pregnant very quickly after that. Um, and that pregnancy too ended in miscarriage. And so whenever you have, uh, even two is a pattern. <laughs> it's it's one thing um, for something to happen once, but then when something happens two times in a row, not that that one time isn't painful in and of itself, that doesn't lessen the blow, but then I was not only grieving that second baby, I was starting to worry, you know, what else is going on, um, especially since my doctor couldn't identify any other indicators. And so um, I'll, I'll spare the listeners the, the medical <laughs> details, but essentially my husband and I have what I call a balanced, not what I call, what they call a balanced translocation and um, which is a chromosomal abnormality, um, that is balanced. So all the genetic material is there, um, which is why it's not detected until somebody who has this goes to reproduce. Um, and if the baby doesn't have the right combination of genes, it doesn't make it. And so there's no, there's no cure. There's no solve for this. And that was one layer of my grief is, Having been, and I'm sure we'll talk more about this, but having been a can-do person who relies heavily on her hard work to make things happen for herself, and a very self-disciplined, high-achieving, performance-oriented person, um, I'm recovering in all those areas. <laughs> but um, that's that's how I came into this story, and. Um, and I'm by no means all fixed up and fine, but hopefully I'm a little further down the road in those, in those things. Um, but as somebody who was like that confronting some, something that they truly could not change, Mm -hmm. that was one layer of emotional and spiritual healing for me. Um, then our son, James was born, uh, through the gift of in vitro fertilization. Um, and, then I proceeded to have three more miscarriages after him, and really, when I was batting five and one um i I thought you know maybe our story would turn toward adoption, which I was really open to and excited about, and had nearly closed the door on having more biological children um and and my I sat in my doctor's office, and he told me. There's nothing more I can I can do for you, um, and I didn't know I was pregnant with my son Charlie at that time. Um, and I just want to be super clear here: one of the most annoying things you can hear as somebody who is walking through infertility is, as soon as you stop trying, you'll get pregnant. That is not what I'm saying. <laughs> um, that that is not the message that I want any listener to hear. That just happened uh, to be the case that our little Charlie snuck in there at that moment. Um, Mm -hmm. and then, you know, it was easier to trust the pattern, um, than the, than the possibility. Um, so when I got pregnant with my third, I was sure it wasn't, the baby wouldn't be viable, um, because, two before my first son, three in between my two boys. I just never thought I would get to meet two babies in a row. And uh, sure enough, she um, was healthy and born 14 months after my second son. So Mm. now just to complete the story, they are uh, six, two, and one, two boys and, and a girl at the end. And... I am very aware that not everybody's fertility journey ends the way that mine did, Um, and and I want to be sensitive to that. I want to celebrate my kids and the ways I've seen breakthrough in my story and also recognize that people's stories turn out differently, and Mm -hmm. I am present in that pain as well. Yeah, yeah.
1: So, James Charlie, and what's your daughter's name?
2: Annie Michelle, Annie. Ah, yes.
1: how sweet yeah um I, I I'm grateful for you sharing just that brief overview. and I think you brought up that tension, you know, highlighting in it that there's the the pain that you're holding and also the hope. Uh, you know the pattern, but also the potential. The mm-hmm. uh, you know this has been my experience, but it's not necessarily everyone's experience. And um, before we started recording, I was sharing. I I feel like um, this experience of infertility and miscarriage is something that is being talked about more in the last few years than our parents' generation even did. Yes, and so I'm I'm hopeful that some of the um shame of that it is no longer a heavy burden to carry but the sorrow yes. of of hope and then having that hope dashed time and time again month after month mm-hmm. um that must be so difficult to walk through because every person's story is different in its own way but mm-hmm. but that sorrow is common
2: to all yes, yes. i would agree um and I, you're absolutely right. I'm really grateful that this has been a more common conversation, and I think women who are walking through infertility or multiple pregnancy loss, or even a single pregnancy loss, I think hopefully they they are feeling less alone as there's more stories available, um, and people are sharing more about this. I think what was interesting for me with this shame piece because that's an area I struggle with in general in my life, I overlaid it onto this situation, even though logically it didn't really make sense. I didn't feel a stigma about the infertility and miscarriage. Where I did feel shame sneaking in was maybe more also the control piece of um, in my relationship with God. Am I not good enough to, mm-hmm. to be a mom? Is, is there some reason that he's withholding this from me? Um, in my attempt to control the situation and make sense of it, um, shame was a loud voice in the conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and logically, I didn't agree with any of it. I, I knew that that's not true about God. I knew that that's not true about our relationship or his relationship to any of his children. And yet, um, like I said, that shame narrative was really strong. Um, and so I, I just want to highlight that for anybody listening that might feel like, well, I know better, but I still, I still wonder and feel, um, and, and that's in my experience completely normal.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Um, I wonder, you know, as you're reflecting on, I'm I'm sure there are so many moments, but as you think back on your journey with infertility and miscarriage, um, how did God show himself good and faithful uh, in specific ways?
2: Yes. I felt his presence so palpably in that season. and was reintroduced to him in a more intimate way than I had ever known him before. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think when you're so aware of your need for Christ and draw close to him in that place, you become more aware of all the things he is to his children. Um, and that is one of the gifts of pain. We're not going to call the pain itself a gift. um, But one of the gifts of pain for me was, you know, having more open hands, um, even though I felt empty-handed, those empty hands were open to receive more of him in places I would have been tempted to replace him. So my identity and security were more easily found in him because it wasn't really an option to replace him with something that... I that may have been tempting to me and and was in earlier seasons of my life. Mm-hmm. Um I and I think in that um it was it it was so precious to me that closeness that I felt to him in that season that as I started to step into the joy and the breakthrough um that is one of the reasons I was so hesitant to celebrate is I was worried that that piece would go away, mm-hmm. um, that I didn't really have a context for what it looked like to engage with God as intimately in the light of my joy as it as I did in my pain. And that's actually where my second book, What If It's Wonderful, was born out of, was, was that questioning. Um, so yeah, God was so many things to me uh, in that place.
1: Yeah, I I want to get to that more later. Um, in in learning how to then turn around and engage God mm-hmm. in the joy, in the celebration, mm-hmm. uh, because I think it's a common experience for us that so many of us um feel Him closer in the sorrow. Um, and and I think that's one of His gifts of grace is that he allows us to experience more of his presence um in in those dark valleys Mm. in a in a palpable way almost i remember being um our our son was born full term and yet he spiked a fever shortly after he was born Mm. and so I moved to the NICU and um, just, you know, the, the after effects of birth and, and recovering yeah. from all of that. And then also the unknowns of what's yeah. wrong with my child. Uh, oh. He was healthy and now he's hooked up to all these machines and the doctors don't know. And they're running tests and they're saying all these scary words. we <laughs> right. <But you> can't <laughs> um, What's now. going yeah. to happen? Yeah. Um, and, and I remember... Just sitting by his bedside, and and he was all hooked up and intubated, and uh, the words of Psalm twenty three just became so real to me in that place Mm. that even though I walk through the valley of the shadow Mm. of death, I will fear no evil Mm. because you are with me. And God's presence in that hospital room felt Mm. so real. Uh, Not that it was more real than it had been twelve hours previously. (laughs) Like God's spirit is still with us, but. It was almost like he'd given me a special grace to experience his presence in that room in a way that I felt held and and not alone. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're right, there's there's a sweetness to that, and then there's also like, okay, God, but can we have that when we're not <laughs> in the midst of the difficulty? Can we still enjoy your presence in that way? So I want to come back to that, but mm-hmm. but what did it look like for you practically? to turn to Jesus in the sorrow and the shame. You said that shame was mm-hmm. such a loud voice. Um, you know, could you walk us through uh, what, what Nicole did
2: You know, a few years ago when mm-hmm. hearing that voice of
1: shame? Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, at first I turned to performance and I thought if I can just show God that I'm so mature and I'm learning from these experiences and I am – um being a good soldier with uh the situation that's been thrown my way i don't think god is the author of our suffering um but you know that that i could handle what was given to me well then maybe this this won't happen again um which shows you just how tenacious the the behaviors we rely on to protect ourselves from pain are because again logically I, I knew that that was a spiritual distortion and not true um and yet I my feelings drove me to to try it anyway and then I had this moment on a beach in Florida where I just couldn't I couldn't hang on anymore it it was like the the waters were crashing through um it just I I could no longer um keep the dam from breaking and i i mean it i don't know if it would be considered a full blown panic attack but it was a, the closest thing i've ever experienced to that and um because i think for so long you know as a therapist i know that when our when our behaviors are incongruent <laughs> with our feelings on the inside um it's a matter of time before that's just going to be so uncomfortable that we can't um, we can't hold back anymore. And that that was extremely uncomfortable and unpleasant, but a gift to me as well, um, because I started inviting God into the feelings I actually had instead of trying to have the perfect feelings for God. Um, and even still, sometimes my prayers in the morning look like, God, this is how I'm feeling right now. That's it. (laughs) No eloquent language, no, um, you know, tying a bow on my pain. Just this is how, this is where I'm at. And I think that's a beautiful place to start is just being brutally honest with God about what actually hurts um, rather than feeling like you need to package it in a certain way. For your father.
1: Yeah, I'm. I'm glad you brought that up. We spent a whole season last fall on mm-hmm. praying through hard emotions, mm. um, those emotions that we feel like good Christians shouldn't feel this way, right. and so we have a tendency to ignore them and and stuff them away, instead of allowing those hard emotions to become an invitation to say, God, I'm feeling this. Uh, yeah, you know this about me already. Can we sit with this and see mm-hmm. what, what's happening here? Why am I feeling this way, and and what is it you might want to say and speak into this situation? Mm-hmm. And so I'm so glad that you brought up that that brutal honesty, that expressing your needs of of what's yeah. really going on, um, and and not feeling the need. Or or maybe reaching the point where we no longer feel the need for it to be eloquent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, they don't have to be theologically rich prayers or impressive no. <laughs> to anyone else. It's just this bare soul, God, mm-hmm. this is me, and you know me, and you know what's going on, and, and you welcome me to come this way, the way I'm feeling right now. Yeah. Um, what a gift to be able to express it that way.
2: Yes. Amen.
1: Yeah, so it with that in, in my own experience, I've I've noticed. Um, I mean, for years, I would tell God in prayer. I would talk, 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 and tell Him all the things, <laughs> and and He wants to hear it. I'm, I'm glad for that, uh, but I'd missed out on the gift of God's presence of of mm-hmm. simply being still with Him, of um, being silent. Yeah. Uh Psalm 46 saying, be still and know that I am God in this situation, in this moment, in this hard emotion. I am still God. Um, I wonder, did you have any of those experiences in your journey where where God encountered you in moments of stillness?
2: I uh resonate with what you shared about that is has really become a recent discipline for me. Um, not that I haven't practiced it on and off throughout the years, but I I would say that this has become an every morning part of my routine. (laughs) Um, and I actually try to do it first, um, before I start talking. Mm -hmm. Um, not that I think that's a rule that someone needs to adhere to. That's just how I, how I practice it. Um. And it has been, I, I can't explain to you why, um, like what exactly happens in that space because sometimes my mind is wandering, sometimes my mind is racing, sometimes I'm more able to sit quietly. But can I tell you, it changes the trajectory of my day. Not necessarily that different things happen, um, although I think one could argue that I might make different choices from that more settled place mm-hmm. and that could impact uh, how my day goes. But minimally, my perspective and my grounding that I take throughout the day, I am less like a tossed ship um, and and more anchored and, and settled into resting in the presence of God, mm-hmm. even in the chaos of my life. Um, whether that be work chaos, parenting chaos, world chaos, um, there's no there's no shortage of things that can mm-hmm. toss us around, <laughs> um, and and I just find I'm more anchored when I am engaged in in that awareness of God. I I meet with a spiritual director regularly and. He talks about um confessing personally, that he confesses of the sin of oblivion all the time, that mm. that he um that that we walk around oblivious to God's presence a lot of the time. And what we're missing out on by, by doing that. Um and so I, I would say I am a infant learning to walk on on that discipline in prayer.
1: I mean, that's our heart here at Prayers of Rest is, uh, building that habit of Mm -hmm. resting in God's presence. And, uh, that's why the, the S seeking his stillness is in the middle of our prayer acronym because otherwise God God knows I would be tempted to just run off and and forget to do it. Um, but you'd mentioned, um, you know, walking through the valley, experiencing God's presence in the midst of that being honest with him about the hard mm-hmm. emotions and and just the rawness and realness of what you were feeling, but then also coming out of that with some trepidation of mm-hmm. um what what is this relationship with God going to look like if I'm now walking in the blessings that I'd been praying for for years? Is it still possible to experience? Uh, a closeness? Uh, is it possible to fully open myself up to joy instead of waiting for the, the bad news? To, oh it must be around the corner. <laughs> if yep. I'm experiencing something good, uh, then then it means something bad is coming next. Um, I can see that in my own heart sometimes and, and it causes me to ponder and say, what does that say about what I believe about God? Yeah. That He is somehow uh, just waiting to trick me in mm-hmm. in letting down my guard to enjoy something and then whip in something mm-hmm. that is uh, of suffering or heartache. Uh so some some good ponderings and and good conversations with God in the midst of that. But what has it looked like for you to continue this journey and and trusting God's faithfulness um when you did get what you asked for, when mm-hmm. you know that that third pregnancy, uh that that um, pregnancy right after Charlie, and and mm-hmm. instead of expecting like okay that the pattern means I'm going to lose this baby, um, trusting God in that, that that no maybe maybe it is going to work out.
2: Yeah, oh, it's um it's a journey I am still very much on or a quest, as I say, um and. It's confirmed in the, the neuroscience research that joy actually is the most vulnerable feeling we feel because to mm-hmm. hold something, it's often easier not to hold something than to fully embrace something that might break um, or that we are are sure might break, like you said, waiting for the other shoe to drop or, or bracing for impact. Um And certainly I've seen this in my practice as well, not just with infertility, but lots of different kinds of pain in life. And yes, one of my main hesitancies was not only the fear that accompanied my joy, um, but this idea that, is God is going to be as present with me in this place? as he was in that valley because we always hear you know nothing grows on top of the mountaintop it all grows in the valley and i would i i understand what people are saying um when they when they say that i have experienced those sentiments myself and i think different things grow on the mountaintop than in the valley not not nothing um and i have seen that joy and uh celebration are avenues of God's presence and faithfulness and growth in our lives as well. um that we can cultivate intimacy with him through our joy. um and that's why one of the reasons why I love the practice of Thanksgiving so much is, um, you know, we often talk about gratitude, which is, feeling grateful. It's noticing and naming uh, what is good in our lives, even in the midst of maybe a season that's really painful.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: But we don't often talk about the fact that Thanksgiving actually doubles the joy that we glean from gratitude. So the practice of actually expressing the gratitude that we feel um, to other people in our lives, but I love this in my prayers um, because this is one of the best avenues we've been given to celebrate the gift with the giver of all good gifts. Um, You know, I think about the 10 lepers who cry out for healing uh, from Jesus and they have nothing to lose. They're outcasts of society and obviously they're physically in a lot of pain and in um not in in good physical condition and um in physical health and so they cry out to jesus and jesus says be on your way to the temple which is the first step that one takes when after being healed and so there was an act of faith there they had to make their way to the temple trusting that they would be healed on their way and sure enough they see their own healing in the faces and bodies of their friends. Mm. And we can assume scripture doesn't say this, but given the relief and the freedom that would have been granted to them in that moment, we could assume that they all felt grateful. But of course we know only one returned to thank Jesus and Jesus says, well, weren't all 10 healed?
0: Mm. And
2: this is not simply a bid for our praise. This is because Thanksgiving is our chance. It's the avenue we've been given to celebrate that breakthrough, that that gift with the giver of all good gifts. And and I think about how often I find myself among the other nine feeling really grateful. And this is not a performance thing. This is just such a wonderful um way of of engaging God's presence in our joy, um, and how how much fun and how much um, yeah, how how much how I, how much I am blessed mm. by getting to engage with God in my joy through the practice of thanksgiving.
1: Yeah, I'm glad you bring that up because that's where um, we tend to end our prayers is in Mm. trusting God's faithfulness by looking at what He's done in the past. Yes. And recounting that and saying, uh, I can trust God today because I've seen what He's done in the past. Mm -hmm. And more than that, faith says, I will proactively thank God for what He is about to do. Yeah. um, Because. I'm I'm putting all of my weight. I'm putting all of my trust in who He is. I'm holding mm-hmm. nothing back, um, and so that can transform the the good and the joyful and the hard and the suffering yep. in in a journey and an adventure with Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there there are times in my conversations with Him where where I'll end my prayers with, "Okay, God, I am expectant to see what You will do." Like, mm-hmm. I am I'm going to go into this with an expectancy that you will be faithful today yes. the way you were. And mm-hmm. when you do that, I want my eyes to be wide open. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and I want to be quick to thank you for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I, we say this all the time on the podcast, like, oh, we suffer from soul amnesia. We forget yeah. who God has. Yeah. We forget what he's done. And if we don't make a practice of regularly reminding ourselves Mm -hmm. of his goodness and his faithfulness, uh, we'll be quick to forget. So I love that you bring up that that Thanksgiving doubles Mm -hmm. the joy. And and Mm -hmm. what a privilege it is to talk to the one who gives us these gifts and thank him for them. So. Um, as as we wrap up Nicola I'm wondering if someone's listening to this and um, you know maybe they're not personally walking through infertility maybe mm-hmm. miscarriage is not a part of their story um, but they they know someone who is going mm-hmm. through this right now um, how how have other people People come alongside you. How have their prayers helped strengthen you? And uh, what would you say to someone who says, "You know, I, I want to pray for my friend, um, but other than God, give her a baby," <laughs> like mm-hmm. I, I just don't know what should I be praying for them?
2: Yes, I love this. I love this question because I just think of as you asked me that, I think of all the faces um, in my life who have. Prayed for me in different ways. Um, I've had friends wear bracelets and and send me pictures of their bracelets to rem- to show me that that's their reminder to pray for me. Mm-hmm. So just just the message that I am constantly on their mind, um, and that I'm not forgotten in the midst of maybe more extreme um, events or realities. You know things that kind of uh, the everyday uh, topics of our day, um, come in and out in our community, but, but that they were just thinking of me, even if it wasn't a topic of conversation. Um, I think, you know, my friends were so good at, uh, I have a phrase connect before you correct. Um, and -hmm. not that we're looking to, to correct per se with infertility, but I think the point is that, meeting somebody in the feelings that they have and just sitting with them there. I think it's so hard because we want to feel helpful. We want to feel empowered to do something. And when there's nothing we can do, sometimes we can lean in the direction of toxic positivity, which is expecting something good or a platitude to sort of cancel or um, alleviate the pain that somebody is experiencing. Rather than just saying, I'm going to stop throwing you a life raft and a, and a rope and all these rescue tools, and I'm just going to sit with you in the mud where you are. Um, that was so healing for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so praying God's comfort, praying, praying God's hope, so hard to hold on to hope. Um, praying for somebody's waiting room experiences. There are so many answers that get revealed um, in an ultrasound and it's so scary to sit in a waiting room. Um, I have a lot of trauma from from both waiting rooms and um, ultrasound machines. And so praying specifically into the details of those experiences.
1: Thank you for, for sharing that and I mean, that's why that's why I love these conversations mm-hmm. in this season for praying through tricky relationships. It's mm-hmm. that those of us who have not experienced that might not even know to pray specifically yeah, for that moment with the ultrasound machine or, or the yeah. meeting room. So thank you for that. Mm-hmm. Nicole, would you pray right now for mm-hmm. listeners who who— have been with us this last half hour and are saying, yeah, that, that was my experience or mm. maybe they're walking through this right now. I'd love for you to just wrap us up with prayer.
2: Absolutely. Father God, thank you for who you are. I thank you that the celebration is really more about anchoring us and remembering your faithfulness and goodness. Um, And Lord, we just recall all the many ways that you have moved in our hearts and moved in our story. Lord, I pray for anyone listening uh, who has loss as a main through line in their story or even a small part of their story. I pray for anyone listening who's waiting and longing um, is part of their story. Lord, thank you that you are the God who sees that we are known even when we don't speak the feelings that maybe we're afraid to speak. Give us courage to invite you into the feelings we have because we know you're already there. And Lord, just break down any protective barriers that we might um, keep up to perform or pressure to perfect, that there would be nothing between us and and our reality of you and our, our absorbing your presence. God, I just pray that you would make us so aware of you. So keenly aware of the ways that you are moving, so keenly aware of who you are, so keenly aware of the ways that you are showing up through the faces of our friends and family members. Lord, I pray for the one who is listening who hasn't shared that this is a part of their story, that it feels scary to do that. God, I just pray that you would move through conversations in a way that would help them to to make that brave step to share, to let somebody into their story, someone who is safe and can help carry this burden and that they would feel less alone. God, I pray that for that person that you would let them know in the meantime you are there and that you will continue to be there, that you are an ever-present help. And Lord, thank you that we don't have to fear disappointment because we don't hope because of what we receive. We hope because of who we receive, and that person is you. Lord, I pray comfort. Lord, I pray hope. Lord, I pray for expectant hearts. Give us eyes to see your provision, even beyond our own vision. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.
0: I hope Nicole's story encouraged you to recognize God's faithfulness in your own life if you've struggled with infertility or you know someone who is. Remember, you can always go back to listen to this week's prayer episode, which will guide you in praying for those struggling with infertility. And if you've enjoyed this conversation, you can connect with Nicole on Instagram to keep the conversation going. Her handle is at Nicole Zasowski. That's at N-I-C-O-L-E-Z-A-S-O-W-S-K-I. You can also gain access to bonus content and transcripts for this episode through our Patreon prayer community. To find more information about how to join our prayer community, go to PrayersOfRest.com and click the Support Us button. This episode may have also triggered all kinds of feelings towards a tricky relationship in your life. If you'd like some extra help in praying through hard emotions like anxiety, anger, guilt, and disappointment, you can download 10 Prayers for Hard Emotions when you go to prayersofrest.com forward slash hard. The Prayers of Rest podcast is a production of One Thing Alone Ministries, helping you enjoy Jesus through creative Bible habits. Many thanks to Angie Elkins for her editing assistance. And again, I'm Kendra Stanton, helping produce this show. And thank you for joining us here today. Until we meet again, may you find rest in God's loving presence.